I believe we're coming into days of acceleration. I probably told you the story before of, you know, there's a complete lack of hills in Hull, isn't there? And I used to have this little red moped and I found this one flyover. Remember where Yankee land used to be? You go down there on a moped if you've got a following wind and it's raining, so I'm a tiny bit heavier than nine stone and a half as I was in those days. Not quite that anymore, but anyway, let's not go there. Um, you know, I could get this thing up to 45 miles an hour, but it was built for 30 miles an hour. And uh, uh, it, was a, it was a 30 zone, but let's not go there. Let's just, just pretend I never said that. I'm heading down this hill one day from, from, uh, from work, and um, uh, essentially I get to about 45 and my bike breaks in half, and I end up at the bottom of the hill with a saddle, handlebars, and a front wheel. Uh, uh, Underneath this lovely, shiny red moped that I'd bought off a friend at work was rust. Um, how, how you build is really important. Uh, what's going on underneath is really important. Days of acceleration sound like fun. Let's understand God is an accelerating God. He's a God who, we've heard it this morning, he restores the years that the locust has eaten. He's a redeeming God. He can suddenly come. You know the word suddenly. It's all over the Bible. God seems to take forever to bring us suddenly along. But when he suddenly comes, things accelerate and we must be ready for the acceleration. When purpose comes, when it has its kairos moment, when God comes in, we must be ready for acceleration. And at, we've got to deal with the rust underneath and get ready for what God wants to do. I believe there's an acceleration coming on us in several areas that I want to talk about this morning. And I kind of want to just prepare us and wrestle with some, some thoughts uh, with regarding acceleration. Um, I remember before, before I went to Bible school, uh, I didn't want to go to Bible school. I remember meeting the leader of the Bible school and I, I, I didn't really want to go. If I'm honest, you know, a long way from home, who's going to do my laundry? Do you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And, and so I, I, I'm, I, I'm there feeling a bit miserable about it all. Do I really want to go? And I remember the leader of the Bible school, we, we start to pray. And then he, he just brought this little word. He said, he said, you know, I really feel that we can be tootling around on the country lanes at 30 miles an hour and everything seems fine. I don't need more training. I don't need more development. I don't need too much more. I'm kind of pretty happy where I am. And then one day you get out on the motorway and you're trying to do 70 and it all falls apart. How we're built is really important. And it's that word that got me to Bible school. Because I was like, okay, I'm really happy with my 30 mile an hour. But if I'm honest, I'm dreaming of 70. But actually I'm built for 30. And actually I do think as a church, God has been building capacity for acceleration in us already. It's one of the reasons we're here in this building. It's one of the reasons we've taken the journey we have taken over the last four years because we knew God has so much more, we actually need to be ready for it. And many of you say to me, we are a completely different church from five years ago uh, because God has been building something in us. We really aren't new life. We're definitely revived. There's a different spirit and a different strength around the place. And God has been doing that to bring us to a point of acceleration. And I believe we're coming to and at our place of acceleration together as a family, but also that's for individuals too. God is your accelerator. He puts hopes and dreams in you. He puts longings in you. And have you ever wondered why you're being so restricted? You know, we blame mum, dad, pastor, school teacher, uh, employer at work, whatever. But actually, sometimes we're being held back in the purposes of God because he's far more interested in making us Christ-like than in just letting us have everything that we want straight away. I don't know about you, I want to get to the end of my life and have done it well. Yes. Right? I want to have been built for the, for the long haul journey. 
and to be able to move at 70 miles an hour in God. Now, years ago, uh, we began to use various phrases. Where do I point it? Over there. There you go. We began to use various phrases to, to describe our vision. And I know we've got lots of phrases like inspiring revival and transforming local communities and equipping generations. And there's another one that describes our culture, life in circles, not in rows. In other words, this isn't really church. This is kind of a celebration of church but church is around a meal table. When I'm able to be close enough to wipe the ketchup off your chin while you're talking to me, that's church. Uh, And we all need to find the circle that we're in. A larger church is kind of like Olympic rings that overlap, but really it's groups of people. There's probably 20 different groups in this room, and that's your circle. But together we come together to celebrate church. One of the phrases that we've used for, work, for years is this phrase, days of wonder. In, the, in, the, uh, in about 1996, I had an encounter with God and I saw the glory of God sweeping across the UK, hitting Parliament. Boy, do they need it right now, okay? Uh, the glory of God hitting Europe, touching the royal family, uh, filling stadiums, filling arenas, God moving on the streets. And we've seen some of those things. And I wrote this little song called Days of Wonder and it became the theme tune of a radio show and a uh, TV program and in fact some revivals around the world have used it as their theme song of God moving as he's moved around the world. I've, I've discovered that over time. There are days of wonder that are going to come upon us and I believe God has already been moving in some ways but there's an acceleration coming. In fact just a couple of years ago the UK prophetic uh, round table released a word and this is a group of prophets very experienced very established and they're hearing God for the nation and sending out words for pastors and leaders and organization leaders to hear and they said there is a season that is coming right now that will one day be called the days of wonder. Isn't that incredible? There is something going on that God is going to release over us. Um, But I want to stretch our thinking, and I want you to take this really personally and think about it for a while. If we're going to step into greater days of God, our greatest enemy is normality. Was it the four-minute mile that nobody could break? Nobody could break. It was considered impossible. Then Bannister broke it, and suddenly everybody's breaking it. Was it that moment when one person gets to Everest, and then all of a sudden, have you seen the pictures of lines of people essentially queuing up to get up Everest? It's virtually become the outdoor equivalent of get on the escalator. Okay, not quite that bad, but when somebody changes the normal, it's profoundly different. In the Bible, when David defeated Goliath, all of a sudden, from being scaredy cats in the book of Exodus who wouldn't enter in, now we get these giant slayers, and you get all these stories of the the great warriors in David's day who were all giant slayers. I mean, they would jump into pits and kill lions. They would attack bears. They would take on giants. Why? David created a new normal. Have you heard about the experiment with fleas? You put them in a container. You put a lid on them. I can't remember for how long. But the fleas soon learn that they can't get out. They just hit the lid. And then after a while, you remove the lid. And even though they can jump out, they still won't. Because they think they can only jump so high. We all experience the same thing. What about the story of the elephant that's chained to a stake for for five, ten years? Then the stake is removed and the elephant still doesn't move. What about the monkey in the cage that won't get out even though the door is now open? 
our reality, what we call normal, is perhaps one of the most dangerous things in life. Even a good church like Revive, where we think, well, we're pretty out there, that can be our greatest danger because we get smug in thinking that we're pretty good at something. Come on, work with me. Right. There's three things that I believe God wants to do. Let's pray we get through all of them. The first thing that I believe God wants to do is bring us into new days, greater days of the supernatural. We have only just started in the supernatural. I want you to turn, turn to the person next to you and say, where we are at right now is kindergarten. Go on, tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. Tell them. I mean... Isn't it so easy to level out? Isn't a plateau so pleasant that we level out that, okay, yes, we have a supernatural expression of God. We believe in healing and we see some healing. And we're not so intimidated by aching backs and various difficulties. But who knows that there's much more that God wants to do. I feel it in my own spirit and sometimes I can see it in the eyes of people that I, that I look at as they're sharing with me that this God can do, but whoa, this is just way beyond. And we become happy with our level of, well, we see a few backs healed. E even though we can write a little book of the extraordinary stories, listen, revive, there is so much more yes, to come. That's true. Yes. It, it, not just for the guys at the front. For you, Listen, as far as I'm concerned, if this doesn't work for you, I am a complete failure. I am not trying to raise up pastors to stand in pulpits. I'm trying to spread fire across the region. So that in every school, in the university, in, in the police force, in the hospitals, miracles are breaking out. Because people are learning to walk in the supernatural ways of God. That's what days of wonder are. Now, listen, I'm talking prophetically now, not as a teacher. God wants to come and move across this region. It's been prophesied around the globe again and again. There are days of the breath of God coming to the world that will transform nations. And our greatest enemy is what we consider to be normal. We level at a certain level of the prophetic. Oh, it's all doves and roses and pictures. Then every now and then someone a bit special comes along that can tell a few names and a few numbers and we level out. That's the supernatural. A few backs healed. The, the odd occasional grand remarkable story of cancer being healed. But, but, but largely, are we still seeing more healing than sickness? There are places in the world right now that are fighting to become cancer-free zones. Come on, uh, work with me. Get your grunt going. We mustn't allow our normality to be happy with a little bit of presence, a little bit of healing, a little bit of prophetic. Let me just share with you what Jesus was really like. Because we think maybe, I don't know, he was happy with a little bit of healing, a little bit of presence, and a little bit of prophetic. Are you ready? Yeah. Say next level. <laughs> See, there's a door opening right now. I've felt this for three days. God has been saying to me again, there are new windows that have opened in the last few days. Yeah. And there are moments in Revelation when a door stands open in heaven and God says, come up here. It's a time to go, okay, God, I'm going to position my heart to step into a new day and a new thing. But we have to be hungry for it. If you can't see it, you don't get it. Okay, so try and catch what I'm saying because it's not a teaching. This is a prophetic thing. Um, so healing, prophecy, bit of presence, we love it. Jesus walked on water. I mean, you'd think he was downright weird. He walked on water. Now, if you're going to start trying this, start in the shallow end. I recommend it. 
In fact, that's a good message for all things in the supernatural, start and the shallow end, right? You're Jesus. Now understand, when Jesus lived and ministered, he didn't do it as God. Otherwise, that's useless to us as an example. Jesus did nothing remarkable until the Holy Spirit came on him. So he showed us how to live as a man with the Holy Spirit on him, following God his Father. And that's our example. That's why he says things like, and you will do greater things still. He raised the dead. He walked on water. More than that, do you realize that the Bible says that 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 moment when he's walking on water and the disciples think he's a ghost, the moment he gets into the boat, the boat appears at the other side of the shore. He he shifted. Turn to the person next to you say, it's getting a bit weird now. I don't mind. I'm, I'm stretching your thinking. Of course, it used to happen to Elijah. They used to say to Elijah, um, and we don't know where the Spirit of God will pick you up and put you down. It happened to Philip in the book of Acts where he's ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch and suddenly he appears then. He's, he's lifted, he's transferred into another place. God, do you know, there are some of these things going on around the world right now. I'll show you a couple of stories later on. I'm just trying to get you to think of Jesus first so you know I'm being biblical. I'm trying to stretch your thinking. I hope you're thinking, this is weird, good, because it means I'm getting at your normal. Because if you're like me, you've plateaued and gone, that's enough. I'll be good and perhaps dangerously smug at this level when God's saying, there are mountains and valleys and vistas, and horizons, and new sea. I'm, I'm trying to get you to long for the vast ocean that is our God, that there are things to step into that no generation has done fully before, but it's been prophesied again and again that something remarkable is going to break out in the earth by the movement of his spirit. Don't stop at our level. Come on, let's get higher in God. Uh, do you want another weird one? Again, don't do this. I don't, I don't know how to teach it without saying don't do it. He fasted for 40 days without water. Now you can do without food for 40 days. Medically, you can do that. You cannot fast for 40 days without water. It's a miracle. Moses did it. It's a miracle. Anybody still want to be like Jesus? I don't know about you. When I fast, I get visions of roast chicken. That's all I get, right? He was transfigured. He changed. You know that many times it was said of Jesus, not just after his resurrection, but before it too, they didn't recognize him. Was it their eyes? Was it him? What was going on? Jesus had supernatural knowledge. Remember he met the woman at the well? And and she had to go back to the village and say, come and meet this guy who told me everything I ever did. It says he didn't entrust himself to man because he knew what was in a man. Do you know that it says of Solomon's wisdom that his, his wisdom was limitless? One version of the Bible puts it this way. There was nothing beyond him. Theologians say, well, science shows, and I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something like, somebody correct me in the room, we only use about 10% of our brains. That's a pretty, you know, there's this whole sphere of who we are that's kind of largely unused and undiscovered and sitting there. Theologians say Adam and Eve would have used 100% of their brains. Solomon, there was an acceleration, an increase in knowledge. Jesus, they said when he spoke, they were astounded at his words. There is supernatural knowledge from heaven. Think of it. The God of the universe is dwelling inside of you. Knowledge, understanding. He knows how to run a business. He knows how to fix the internet. Lord, help us. He knows what to do about Brexit. God is an all-knowing God and he's living in you. You've only just started in the supernatural. Don't level out where you're at. I've been doing this nearly 50 years. I do not want the next 50 to be a rerun of the last 50. 
There are places to go. See, it's not just healings and miracles and prophecy and presence. What about signs and wonders? Just signs that make you wonder. What's that all about? Why was Jesus transfigured? Why did he walk on water? They're kind of unnecessary miracles. Jesus was into divine acceleration. Uh, I was, uh, Dan McCollum was talking about this point of acceleration, just written a book on it. And how do you get into the remarkable things of God? Is real simple. It's by the wisdom of God and the presence of God. And I like this phrase that he uses. You see, there's your way, there's my way, and then there's Yahweh. Right? There's your way, there's my way, then there's Yahweh. And see, God takes us to a whole other plane because we've normalized our thinking. So it comes to Peter's point where he has to pay taxes. Jesus, got to pay our taxes. Now, if, if Peter was being normal, it would have been, right, I need to get time to get all my fishing gear together. I need to go out and fish. I need to get some fish. I need to come back. I need to sell those fish. And I, I, I need to get some money. Then I can go and pay my taxes. What's that? A day's work, two days work. Who knows? Then there's Yahweh. Just go over, just catch one fish. The first fish you catch, open its mouth, there's our tax money in it, and go and pay. It's called acceleration. It's called, if you just hear my way. I mean, I am amazed at the amount of born-again Christians who still live as pagans. They think, they, they, they approach sickness as if they were unsaved. They approach their money as if they were unsaved. They, they approach their family as if they were unsaved. They approach what they eat and drink as if they were unsaved. What's the point? Getting excited now. You see, in history, John G. Lake, great, renowned, well-established man of signs and wonders, very historically documented. Listen to this. Oh, some of the supernatural stuff. Um, John G. Lake was stood on a, on a, on a train platform, and he said... Uh, he saw a group of Italians. He said, I stepped over them, and as I approached them, I observed myself. Oh, he, he saw this group of Italians, and he just felt, I really want to speak to these guys. And he says, I stepped over to them, and as I approached them, I observed myself commencing to speak in some foreign language. I addressed one of the group, and he instantly answered me in Italian. I asked where he was from. He replied, Naples. For 15 minutes, God let me tell the truths of Christ and the power of God to that group of laborers in Italian, a language of which I had no knowledge. I, I went to Bible school um, with, with a, a young woman who, when she was a child, an Italian, when she was a child, she just spontaneously, by the infilling of the Spirit, began to speak English. Fluent English, and she was, a, she was renowned in Italy as this quite remarkable thing. She did TV chat shows and everything, and she could just talk in English when she got filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, wow. Somebody say it backwards. I mean, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's places to go in God. Um, Brother Yun. Remember Brother Yun at Cottingham? Well-established, well-known, and he's, he's in a high-security prison. Listen to this. Somehow the Lord seemed to blind the guard. He was staring directly at me, yet his eyes didn't acknowledge my presence at all. I expected him to say something, but he just looked through me as if I was invisible. I didn't say a word. I continued past him and didn't look back. I knew I could be shot in the back at any moment. I continued walking down the stairs, but nobody stopped me, and none of the guards said a word to me as he walked out of the high-security prison. Do you know, Brother Yun, it's established, and they knew it in the prison. Brother Yun... Um, uh, 
didn't eat or drink for 74 days at one point. That's just impossible. And yet you find it in the Bible several times. A little bit of presence, a little bit of prophecy, a little bit of healing. It's my level. We're a good, good, spirit-filled church. No. Come on. There's adventures in healing, in signs and wonders, in God doing remarkable things. I, I, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm getting too excited. So, all right. So let, let me just teach one little thing, and then I'll say it. I'll try and do the others too, really short. I want us to grasp today who you are in Christ. Because all the wonders of the kingdom come out of our union with him. Um, we use a lot of pictures, don't we? Things like, uh, and, th and they're good pictures, they're true. Uh, think of it. Uh, I'm a cup, he's the Holy Spirit that fills me. So, so he's the water, I'm the cup. Um, we might say things like, I, uh, I'm a car, he's the fuel. Right? I'm the wood, he's the flame. I'm the sails, he's the wind. And all, all of these do describe something. But can I tell you that the mystery of Christ is so much more than that? Um, it is more than that. It, it, Jesus said, I'm the vine. No, I'm the whole vine and you are a branch on me. You're a branch in the vine. S somehow it's like we, we become, again, I'll use biblical language, one spirit with God in a way that's a mystery. It's more than just, I've got saved, I've accepted the gift of salvation, and therefore the influences of heaven can fill me. It's more than that. The Bible says you've been born of God. You're a new creation. Now the word new creation there literally means you're a new species. It's not just a reset button. It's not just a refresh button. It's not, okay, now you're a, now, now you're a, a reborn human and you've got a little bit of the influence of God. The Bible Bible says you were born of God and that which is born of God overcomes the world there's something remarkable about you it's not just that you're a cup and he's the water it's more like he is the ocean and you are the waves you're combined in greater ways than just thinking he is an influence in in my soul and in my heart no somehow you've become one spirit with him God in you Christ in you the hope of glory God's in you there's something remarkable about you that we've still to discover. It, it's like he thinks and I say, he feels and I move, he loves and I act. I'm joined with God in some way as a new creature. You're not the same person that was born. Well, I was born in 1970. I don't know when you were born, but you're not that same person. God's spirit gave birth to a new person. And your new identity is in Christ Jesus. I'm not just human. Do, 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 do. I'm not just human. There's something remarkable. We do a few scriptures. Um, look at this one. You see, it's, it is more than just I'm the cup, he's the water. In other words, I'm just me. But he influences me and I'm grateful for that. Look at this verse. This is Jesus and it's, it's in the build up to his great big uh, um, it's, it's a wonderful sermon, really, that you find in John 12, then 13, 14, 15. And Jesus used this phrase that begins to talk about his death on the cross. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man, that's himself, to be glorified. Very truly, I say, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Just think about this for a minute. 
One seed, this, this is the mystery of Christ. One seed can die in the ground and produce a harvest. So just work with me. What of the first seed is in all the other seeds? It isn't just, well, you're someone completely separate to me and I'll pour a bit of heaven into you. No. How do you describe it? Again and again, the writers of the epistles say, it's the mystery of Christ. The fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in my soul. There's something remarkable going on there. Jesus died so that we could be Christians, little Christs, filled with God, under his lordship, but powerful, born of God. It's a little bit of God walking around, a little bit of God going into work. Why? Because he's in you. And as you come into, the language used in the epistles is in union with Jesus. As I walk in oneness with Jesus, I'm loving that phrase at the moment, oneness, to be one with him, to be captivated with him. Church is not about religion. It's about finding the Jesus within the church, catching the little something. Oh, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, when I pray, I'm not praying to a being over there. I'm praying to a well in here. The well of the Spirit of God that somehow has become one with my spirit. And there's this, this, this sense of God. I'm, 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 I'm the tabernacle of God in the earth. One with him. Out of your oneness with God comes incredible supernatural power. Look at these little verses. And let me just take you on a little story here. Here it's talking about God talking to Abraham, and it says this, the promises, you'll get it when I get to the end of it, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So when God spoke the promises to Abraham, work with me, I'm, I'm taking you on Bible study now for 30 seconds. When God spoke to Abraham about his seed, he was talking about Jesus. Are you with me? Now let's go to the moment when God spoke to Abraham about his seed. Are you ready? Blow your mind. So God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your seed be. Christ will be like the stars in the sky. Just let that settle for a minute. Book of Philippians says we're like stars shining in the universe as we hold out the word of truth. God's design from before the world began is that Christ would become like that. We walk around not just with some slight influence from heaven within us, but Christ in me the hope of glory. I've become one with Jesus. I am a wave and he is the sea. I am a branch and he is the vine. Somehow, God has gotten in and entwined himself so much in my being. In Bible school, my favorite teacher, a man called Dan Chesney, he had a great name and he had a great preaching voice. He's an American. And he used to say this, when we come into Christ, it's like taking a potato called Jared and a potato called Christ, and you put them in a bowl, and you mash them together, you are never going to take them apart again. <laughs> Christ, through the death, has taken you, and he's taken himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's taken himself, his majesty, his glory, his power. He's put you together in a bowl. And he said, Emily, let's start to mash. Let's make one person of you, one new person in Christ. 
He's mashed himself into our world. Godfrey Bertel wrote it this way. Listen to this line. 2,000 years ago, we bled into one. Did you feel the spirit then? He's here. I want you to, now it's beginning to land. You getting it? 2,000 years ago, you and God bled into one. This is the gospel, people. Not just a ticket to heaven and forgiveness. I, I want to be one with you. That's why he can say in the end, the dwelling place of God is with man. He wants to walk with us. And it's not as we obsess about the supernatural that incredible things happen. It's as we obsess about him that he just begins to flow like rivers of living water out of this life. And there's so many things that God wants to do, but our normalizing of our level stops us going higher. We're like fleas that don't think we can jump any higher. But look how Jesus lived. And then he's saying, and you and I are one. Wow. What does the last verse say? So if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. It says later in that passage in Galatians. And heirs according to the promise. How has he done this remarkable thing? Not through our earning, but through a gift. We start by repenting and believing. But then it becomes cooperating and walking with the oneness that he's put inside of us. There are incredible places. John G. Lake was once praying in South Africa and as he was praying, he was taken in a vision and he passed over these green rolling hills. He was praying for a young woman who was in a mental asylum as they called it in those days. And in the vision, he went up to her bed. He saw this woman, prayed for her and then reversed all the way back through his vision and suddenly he found himself in South Africa once again. Six weeks later, they got a letter saying at the precise moment that he was praying that the woman was healed. There are places to go in God, we've only just begun. Are you with me? Let's do the other two quickly. I believe God is leading us into days of influence. And I, I love all, all the, the church stuff, the kind of things that James is talking about, locations and all that. There's lovely stuff going on. And, and God is doing stuff. And, and I've, I was in Spain last week setting up a summit in Spain for 2020. And there's going to be revived summits happening in Johannesburg, in Cape Town, uh, other places that I can't mention quite yet. But God is beginning to open up wonderful things. Why? Because we want to inspire people to revival. But can I say influence is so much more than that, that that's part of it. We're doing all of that. The region, the world, we want to inspire churches to grow in God. Uh, but it is so much more than that. Do you know that Jesus, when he gave us the Great Commission, he told us, just catch this phrase, disciple nations. Come on, work with me. Not just disciple each other, we do that. But the church is supposed to instruct and teach and influence nations, parliaments, education, medicine, media, there is an acceleration in the days of influence and it's part of that days of wonder sense of what God is doing. There's an acceleration in influence going on right now. Never has there been the influence into education, into medicine, into politics rising up as there is right now because God is doing something by his kingdom. Let, let me just teach into it a, a, a couple of phrases. The word apostle. You know, when Jesus gathered his disciples and then he chose 12 apostles, isn't it interesting that he sent out apostles? Now, the word apostle isn't, isn't really a Jewish word at all. It's a Greek word. 
And in fact, the Romans used to use it. The word apostle is what would happen when Rome and the Roman Empire would go into a region. They would send in an apostle. And it was usually, usually a, an admiral of the navy or a general or a retired general. And they would go and turn the culture into Roman culture. Because they knew if they actually made everything Roman in cultural style, there was a lot less chance of rebellion. Now Jesus walks along and he turns around to his 12, catch this, and he says this, I send you out. And he picks a Greek word as apostles. He didn't, he didn't say, I send you out as shepherds. I send you out as pastors. I send you out as evangelists. No, he didn't. He said, I'll send you out as admirals and commanders to disciple nations. Go and teach them everything that I've taught you. Go and get a hold of the city of Hull. Go and get a hold of Driffield. Go and get a hold of Ghoul. Go and get a hold of education. Go and get a hold of media. Go and get a hold of medicine. And tell them what I'm telling you. Turn everywhere into a little bit of heaven on earth. Somebody get excited somewhere for heaven's sake. Come on. I mean, this is good news. There is accelerated influence going on in the church right now. Catch it. If you see it, you can join it. Not only that, not only did Jesus choose a military term for people that actually transformed culture when it comes to his apostles. And he said, essentially, I want you to do what the Romans do. The Brits did it as well. I want you actually to transform culture. You should be touching on law and architecture and food and everything. You bring a complete influence. We're supposed to be so in heaven. Oh, work with me, people. There's a message there. That we know what it's like to bring it down into politics, to bring it down into education, to bring it down into medicine and into media. That's what we're here to do. But catch this. He used another clever word. He didn't say go into all the world and, 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 and plant um, synagogues. He didn't say go into all the world and have nice little worship gatherings and build sanctuaries. He, he said, he, actually, here's a good phrase. Here's what he said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And again, he uses a Greek word. He goes completely off message. They'll probably think, whoa, weird word to pull out the bag. We're just so used to hearing it. I will build my church. The word is ecclesia in Greek. And it was the governing political body of Greece. They made the laws. They elected who should be in places of power. They decided when to go to war and what military, military strategy should be. And Jesus comes along and he looks at his church. He says, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my governing body on the earth. And listen to this. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Come on. I will build my school governors. I will build my education boards. I will build my influence in medicine. I will build my influences in politics. And hell won't stop you, church, because it's what I've called you to do. Days of influence. We're not here hiding till Jesus comes home. That's bad old Pentecostal theology. There's windows opening right now saying, I want you to get it. You're supposed to be generals across the city. Don't sit in churches, get on boards, get into places of influence, get into places where you can say, right, I, I, I'm going to get a little bit of heaven and I'm going to bring it into this school and I'm going to make this school a little bit of heaven on earth. That was, that's what Jesus made us to do. Days of influence. God, increase our influence. If not, days of the supernatural need, means nothing if you don't take the supernatural to the place where it's supposed to go. It's, it's just a reservoir having fun instead of a river bringing life wherever it goes. And so I've, I've got many friends who have sat down with influential politicians, 
many of whom you'd know, and they've sat over meal tables and gone, God gave me a dream about you last night. And literally there are headlines in, on the TV today that have come from the dreams of Christians yesterday. We need to get and carry the supernatural power of God, which is the love of God. God doesn't think it's natural, that's the thing. We only call it super. Raising the dead isn't supernatural to God. It's just, well, I am life. If I turn up, dead things start coming back to life. I can't help myself. When Reinhard Bonnke was arranging a a crusade in in one African nation, and and he wanted to put the platform next to the church where there was a cemetery, the the local council said, no, 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 Reinhard, you can't do that. If you get on that stage and say hallelujah, those graves will pop open and people, no, you must put your stage over here. That's who we're supposed to be. This is what God's doing in the earth. And, 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 and yes, it's true in the macro, parliament, media, celebrities, etc. The, the, the kingdom, there are more Christians in parliament now, Lord help us, <laughs> uh, than there have been in a generation. There's something going on. Um, but it's also in the micro as well as the macro. Transform local communities. Change lives by taking the gospel out there. And, and then I'll finish. Days of wonder means days of the supernatural. It's time to upgrade. Some of you that have leveled out the odd picture and the odd phrase from God, you need to start, God's going to lift you into details and dreams and visions. You need to buy a new journal. You need to start writing down what God's saying because I'm telling you, I am sensing just pages and pages come from the Spirit of God right now because there's a, there's a fresh, God moves in seasons. And and so what worked in that season suddenly changes in this one. And there is a change going on right now where the prophetic things of God are more available and clearer and amplified. Days of wonder, they have to be days of the supernatural. And we are in kindergarten and we need to keep moving on in God. Days of wonder means days of influence. I believe that's what God is doing. He wants his kingdom to come to Hull, East Yorkshire, the nations and the world. Amen. But also this, and I want to leave you with this thought, days of wholeness. I know some of you in this room will be going, lovely, Jared, inspiring to hear you talk about the supernatural and, and influence and politics and all those kinds of things. But I, I could just do with getting my brain in order, thank you very much, or getting my kids in order or my marriage in order. Or, um, and again, you know, with our brokenness, again, we often level out. And we might say, this is, this is our lot. Now, now, who knows that sometimes God seems to take a long time to do something or he doesn't even do it. And we don't know why. Okay. William Booth, the, the great Salvation Army founder. Remarkable. The fire of God all over this country. They were amazing. They were ablaze. But as he became an older man, he turned blind. When he was diagnosed going blind, catch his heart. Because this is it. Your brokenness or mustn't have your heart. If you're overwhelmed with sorrow, you cannot live for God. Listen to General Booth as he heard that he was turning blind and would go completely blind. His son told him the news and he turned around and he said, well, son, I've done for God what I can do with my eyes. Now we shall do what I can do without my eyes. (laughs) Eyes might go, but my heart is not going. My, My sense of moving on is not going. 
I'm, I'm not going to stop and sulk just because some brokenness has come to me. I'm going to keep, if he heals me, great. If not, one way or the other, I'll stand before his throne, completely healed one day. I will stand before his throne and I will have worshipped him through brokenness as well as blessing. I refuse for it to have my heart. But not only that, because we do go through brokenness and sometimes we don't know why it's taken 20 years instead of 20 days. I know that. I know that, but I believe these are days of wholeness as well when God is going to steamroll into our lives with his restoration and his power. And again, do you know, just one little hint, do you know where it comes from? We can be at one with our brokenness if we focus on it all day long. We can be at one with the pain in our family if we focus on it all day long. But there's something remarkable even in our pain, if we choose to become one with God in the midst of it instead. Okay, God, this is going on, that is going on, but you and me, we've got heaven in our heart. There is peace in this storm. Your name truly is a strong tower in which I stand. You are my refuge. You are the one who picks me up and puts me on a high rock so that nothing can touch me. God, it might have my stuff, but it won't have my heart. Come back to your oneness with God. I think this is what Jesus must have been doing when he was in that boat in the middle of the storm. It's all going on around him and he still had his, still had his head on that pillow and he rested. I kind of think he was lying there with God, his father, just enjoying father so much. Oh, is there a storm? Oh, you little faith. Don't the storms catch our eyes? But God wants to give us peace in the storm. And then two, to bring his miracles of restoration. I'll finish with this. I wonder if the band could come up. Maybe you planned build my life, didn't you? Was it one of them? Yeah, let's do that. That'd be nice. I've enjoyed the acoustic morning of you, isn't it? No. Oh, lovely, lovely. And uh, I, uh, I prayed for someone in Spain last week. Someone looking very, very troubled approached me and it had this big anchor tattooed. You're going to think it was a burly sailor, but no, it was a young girl. She had this big anchor tattooed on her forearm and I, and I looked in her eyes and I looked at her anchor and I said, that's, that's your answer right there. Uh, hope is an anchor and hope isn't well I hope things might get better or I wish they would that's what we think hope is hope is the sure certainty in God that my times are in his hands he loves me he sees me he's for me and it will get better I will walk out of the night into the light I will walk from morning into dancing I don't know if it's going to take 24 hours or 24 years but my eyes are on him and I will keep my peace in this storm like the woman whose child was dying and the, and the prophet said how are you and she said all is okay no, 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 a child died. All is okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because days of wonder, days of the supernatural, days of influence, more than anything else, I, will, I think, will be days of wholeness.